0: toss that rusty old grill into the lake and set the barcalounder on fire you are now entering the dad word spiral we are back this is episode number 12 my name is aaron pruner and uh i'm a dad i'm a jew i haven't eaten bread all week and i have a kid and with me is my co-host eddie who is not a jew but is a dad
1: i'm a dad i have had bread this week i had bread This day, I've had bread this hour. I'm Uh, jealous
0: of your bread intake. I know, you know,
1: for those people who
0: are listening, uh, this episode's not even going to go up on Passover week, but we're recording smack dab in the middle of Passover. And this is the first uh, Passover in a long time where I am really trying to stick to the rules. Usually it's like I get to day two and I'm like, fuck it. I'm eating a sandwich. You know, the other day my wife bought me a treat. She brought home donuts, completely mm-hmm. forgetting it was Passover. But is yeah. It, is your wife Jewish or is it just you? No, it's just me.
1: Just you? So, so let me ask you. So you're really trying hard this year to stick to the, to the rules of Passover. And, and, and this is no disrespect, a legit question. Why?
0: It's a great question. Actually, I, you know, before I answer that question, I should probably say thank you to Dragon Wagon Radio for yes. hosting our show. And if you do you. enjoy listening to the Dadward Word Spiral, please go on iTunes or any place that you can uh, find your podcast and give us a rating and review, because that really does help our visibility for the show so we can make more of it. Um, answer your question. You know, the older I've gotten, especially now that I have a kid, the idea of tradition feels more important to me. Yeah, I'm not a religious person. I yeah. never had a bar mitzvah out of choice. I was a very, I was a, you know, when I was a young kid, I was, I basically called the hypocrisies of religion into play when they were telling me I needed to have a bar mitzvah or else I wasn't going to be a man. And my response was, isn't that what puberty is for? And at the time, I was 11 years old when we had those conversations. I didn't have a dad around. My dad was not Jewish. And the whole idea was to have a bar mitzvah. I would need to have a dad or a father figure there that I would be, you know, saying all the prayers in Hebrew to. i don't know Hebrew. I would have had to learn Hebrew. And I just, I was at a very young age. I was questioning everything and, and uh, very full of protest and antagonism towards it. And I've been that way the majority of my life, but there is something about teaching just the traditions and the reasons why we do what we do. And uh, as I've gotten older, and especially as my mom has gotten older to be able to do this for her as well, has has sort of brought me back to, well, you know, I may not be religious, but culturally I am still Jewish. And this is a practice that stemmed from my people. My great grandfather was in the Holocaust for being Jewish, you know, there were recent conversations I've had with my mom about certain behaviors that she still has. Like she hoards bread. She has like three loaves of bread in her house in her freezer. And I asked, I like, I was like, why we're trying to declutter. And I got down to the root of it the other day where she said, well, that's how grandma taught me. And I was like, well, of course, my grandmother was in her twenties during the great depression You know, the idea of having bread like so, of course, that uh, is something that she is is doing in her life. And then just thinking about how she learned that behavior, what sort of behaviors and traditions and just just things am I passing down to my child to even just teach her. So, you know, my kid's two and a half and she loves matzah. So that already is uh, positive. Hey, I'm 43,
1: I'm not Jewish, and I love matzo. Like legit. Like they, got, love they love got they got they got gluten-free
0: matzo nowadays. They got so all my, kinds of
1: matza.
0: My wife who has food allergies can have it. You know, tonight at dinner, uh, my daughter was drinking milk out of a fucking wine glass, Eddie. <laughs> we've done that before, actually. <laughs> she, not
1: for any religious reasons. No, just, no, no. It wasn't for had religious had, reasons. Yeah. My,
0: my daughter is now requesting to only drink milk out of the wine think. glass
1: <laughs> well she's got refined taste
0: <laughs> uh, by so. you know by by the time she was one and a half she was drinking tea out of fine china i it's not because of me but i came in there and immediately was like oh my god don't tip over the wine glass right you know i'm having these freak outs about her tipping over glasses and then during passover i had my mom over it was a hectic day. I drank half a bottle of wine. And then I was the guy that spilled my daughter's glass of milk. So. <laughs> this, I'm going to tell an
1: anecdote. And I think it's, it's going to kick off a part of this, which I think is kind of. And folks, we're, we have this is a grab bag episode. We don't. Yeah, have this is just buddies. Eddie and yes. I. We don't have this a is, guest just,
0: with us this week.
1: We haven't seen each other in a little bit. It's been crazy for both of us. Both of us have had some some uh, some some career stuff happen in good in good ways. We we're, we're both we've been we've been a bit busy. Firstly, super appreciate Mike Flanagan for the shout out. Really enjoyed that. We got I, you know, I've, I haven't seen the metrics, but we definitely got a lot of traction off of uh, uh, his call out and his support. So
0: super Mike Flanagan, appreciate- who was on episode ten of the show,
1: on episode ten, yeah. So super appreciative of that. But um, no, the, so you're talking about Lily. Um, you know drink out fine china at a young age grayson is um, he's 10 years old and since he has been 7 he can make miso soup from scratch like what? he knows how, he's not Jap- we're not japanese like my wife is is not japanese but he like there was a wow. there was a restaurant here in the valley called musashi's it's a teppanyaki restaurant if you've ever been to a benihana it's it's the same type of cuisine you know a cuisine i've had teppanyaki
0: in yeah. tokyo
1: and that is their favorite place Eddie, to. Well, I've never have because I'm Tokyo. jealous. Of, yeah, I've never You're been supposed to Tokyo. Be excited about
0: this story. I'm very story. excited,
1: thank and you. I'm impressed, and I'm jealous, thank, which is why I'm you. moving on from okay. it fast thank because you. I've thank never you. been. Yep, yep. But uh, they love going there, and they love eating. <laughs> they love eating all the stuff there, but they really love a good miso soup. And so, and every time we order, we go to sushi. It, it's miso soup. I've I I know how to make miso soup from scratch, and because I do, I do cook uh, some some japanese food like that's not sushi i i i make ramen from scratch i make i'm, I'm really decent with the soups um
0: and he he just <laughs> i taught him how to do put it put that on your dating profile eddie Dodi, decent
1: <laughs> Why would with I, the soups. on my I, my resume my most recent resume sure. draft, decent with the soups on, on um, your
0: on your tombstone he tombstone, was decent with, decent the, with soups. the soups
1: <laughs> husband father soldier decent with the soups um there you go <laughs> And uh, it's just put me in Riverside Veterans <laughs> Cemetery there. Um,
0: just bury me in soup. Boy. Bury me that, in soup. That's gross. I'm sorry. Go yeah. on.
1: But the reason why I bring
0: that up uh, <laughs> like A, the Walking Dead sewer zombie.
1: <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because it, it, it's interesting because. Um, yeah, you know, it always fascinated me about Judaism in the, in the sense that it's a faith, but it's also a, a like you say, a culture, an inherited set of cultural yes, practices. Yes,
0: and for anyone who wants to argue with me about that, my digestive issues have a point to make to tell you that <laughs> you're wrong.
1: So, and, but what's interesting, you know, my wife is Catholic and she's from Buffalo. And like that part of Western New York is a heavy Catholic, Italian, you know, she's Italian. Uh. So a heavy Italian Catholic, Polish Catholic community. Like almost everybody's Polish in in where she's yeah. from. And, and my so for, family
0: came from Poland. So I think that's why your wife and I get along.
1: A hundred percent. Like it's kind of, we've talked about before it's eerie. How like the, like we're essentially earth two couples. Like we're the, like the parallel universe. Or were my Barry uh, Allen? Uh, yeah. And I'm Wally West or something. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, we'll figure that out. <laughs> that's as but, deep
0: as I go with comic book talk.
1: So as deep with the flash as I go, he's not my, it's not, it's not my main guy. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting because like, when it came time, you know, when we started dating, we got engaged, we had the discussion like, you know, cause I am not Catholic. And like, I, you know, the, the discussion was how do we raise our kids? And she's like, it is imperative to me that, and she's not hardcore Catholic, but like culturally the Catholicism was a big part of her community and her lived experiences with her loved ones. And it was very important to her that the kids be raised as Catholic. And I had, zero objection to it like my kids go to catholic school i i was raised yeah i was raised protestant um and i i was not one day it's funny i was
0: raised (laughs) angry
1: (laughs) so you're so you're raised catholic uh i'm just kidding uh so irish no i'm just kidding um no i think like i uh i think you know for I, i i i don't talk about it much publicly i i am a semi-practicing uh, Zen Buddhist. Uh, I got there through like my martial arts stuff uh, and I minored in religion in college. So that was sort of like my journey, right? Like to this day, I still, when I can, uh, I get up early before everyone's awake and I, I do my Zazen and I occasionally read from texts and stuff like that. But for me, that was, you know, that's my journey was to start in like the, you know, the Christian tradition and then and sort of move on. And I, I told my wife, like, you know i have no problem with this but if and when the kids start having questions about me and and my journey i'm not going to lie to them i'm not going to um you know alter my truth or anything and of course my wife had no problem with that um you know that said like when we're at a table and with my in-laws and and they're again they're not like super crazy practicing but on on christmas or whatever. If they say grace, I'll say grace with them. Like, it doesn't, it's no skin off my nose. It doesn't really, it doesn't offend me. It doesn't. You know,
0: know, I am obligated to do that with my in-laws. The thing is that, and it's a, it's a resentment that I try so hard to keep at bay, but they don't ever remember Jewish holidays. Right. They always expect <laughs> right. me to hold hands and pray to Jesus during the Christian holidays, but, sure. you know, I'm going to be seeing them on Easter, you know, and I'm sure they're going to not say anything about it. And But so, but, but at the same time, I know that my inclusion there means something to them. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. My it's, it's respectful to them and I'm yes. not, paying this respect to their beliefs and to the practices and culture that comes with the religion to get the respect back. But there is still that little bit of me where my grandmother, I could, I I know it's from her. I know it's her influence where it just comes out and it was like, "Er, I'm going to hold you. You know, you're going (laughs) to wish me a happy Passover. Sure. No, I get what you're saying. I, I really do. And, you know, I had those conversations with Kelly too. And We came to the conclusion that we are going to let Lily decide ultimately, but we are exposing her to both because you have to. Yeah, Yeah. right. Exactly. She has Christmas children's books. She has Hanukkah children's books. She has, Jewish, you know, we're trying to explore her to all. She has other books that explore different cultures and talk about different uh, ethnicities and uh, people of diverse backgrounds. Which I think is really imperative, especially given the direction our country has gone recently. (sighs) And uh, certain people in my in-laws have followed suit in that direction. So to be able to really put forth um, to fill her repertoire with the knowledge of there being more than one way to celebrate the world and to interact with it at this young age, I think, is important.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like, it's, it's, even even on a
0: religious uh, front. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I mean, no, it's okay. I'm not a religious person, but just also any religion, I believe, speaks to the culture that that religion came out of. So that, that goes back to, Cultural practices, and also how it informs you as a person, the family that you came from, your own history, and the way you interact with the world. So, right, you know, yeah,
1: I, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, like, and I'm, I'm, I'd be curious, like, you know, for our listeners, like, if you want to share. Uh, you certainly tag us at that word spiral on Twitter, but like you can, I'd love to hear from our community and, and, and see you know, interfaith marriages as it were, um, you know, where there's one person practicing, whether it's two separate religions or one's not practicing and others practicing. I'm, I'm always curious to hear more about that. Also, if you, um, uh, we have a discord. Uh, we should probably plug more <laughs> but uh, i don't
0: understand that
1: i do i get discord i like discord a lot
0: actually. all right then um, you can plug it because i don't don't
1: plug discord if you go to discord remember uh, i'm the guy
0: that didn't understand Dungeons and dragons appeal on the internet
1: okay fair like, enough i understand the fair appeal enough.
0: in person but but watching other people play it that's like it reminds me of just uh, you know i guess the whole twitch thing of watching other people play video games i don't get that either
1: I'll say it again it's it's if you had a sibling growing up and you went and sat down to watched wife. them you do yeah so uh, we're uh it's, it's jam jam time uh for for mills um no but if you if you like have a sibling that you enjoyed like watching Uh, play video games in their bedroom, and I did. Uh, Then if you know that experience, or if you've ever had like a social experience, which is like friends over and you play a game, then yes. (laughs) Let me tell you what my
0: experience was. Growing up, I was the first person in my building to get video game consoles. Sure. Because my mom bought me a Super Nintendo or a Sega Genesis. She let my friends in the building come over but only let them watch me play. She would not let them play video games with me <laughs> so, like, they'd well, listen, come over yeah. and be forced to watch me play two player games by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, like
1: that's, there's something fun about that. I remember one time uh, our friend, Damien, our friend, Damien Wiesbach, uh, one of my bestie, bestie friends of all time. Um, we were, we helped his mom move and it was me, him, uh our friend eric and a bunch of friends at the time and like we helped his mom move and then she took us out to dinner and then we all took our leftovers we we're like let's go back to damien's house he just got a ps2 ps2 was i think a few months old at the time and he had ssx and like a few others and Tricky. it was cool yeah exactly so we just had we had like this fun group experience of like passing the control around but watching it.
0: every you know what i mean like i do um, but there's something about doing that in person When you do it in person, it's kind of like a similar thing of having a a movie watch party with friends, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're doing it over the computer, there's a disconnect in my mind, there's a disconnect between you sharing that experience with a friend instead of just you watching someone you don't even know playing a video game. So that's where I I get a little lost. I get you.
1: And for some folks, that's just never going to be a thing, right? But for some folks, just that connection, that parasocial connection is. Yeah, is of course. Strong.
0: I used to work so. in the building that the old G4 was in. And oh yeah! I remember in Santa Monica. Tour. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea,
1: that was Chelsea's old uh, studio afterwards. Yeah,
0: yeah. I worked in that building when uh, MTV owned it, and I remember getting a tour of the building, and there was a whole row of, of employees whose job it was all day long to play video games so that they can record footage of them playing video games, and this was way before Twitch, and I still didn't get it but you know anyways i'm getting off topic here you want to talk we, about we discord? have no topic man
1: yeah no you know, that, you- that was no discord it, it's uh join us on discord if you want to join the chat and add to the conversation we are uh, we're always interested in hearing from folks i actually had a uh man i had a i, I want to talk about this because i i think it is it's something that you've experienced as well, Aaron. Like where people approach you after like listening to some of the episodes. Uh, not that you and I are changing the world. I'm not uh, saying that.
0: F- fuck you, Eddie. I'm changing the goddamn world.
1: But uh, I, I was sitting. Uh, I'm going to bring up his tag here because. Uh, uh, oh, I'm following me, him yeah. now.
0: I'm following yeah. him on Instagram, and he's a yeah, friend yeah, yeah. of mine on Instagram now. I yeah, know who you're talking about.
1: You Know exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah. what happened was, I was uh, I had taken the, So I had to go to. i'm i have a new job i had to go to vegas uh for a few days last week and the saturday i came home saturday morning and i hadn't seen my kids and i took all three of them uh millie and the stroller and and the boys just on foot we walked uh the uh, that's about it's about three quarters of a mile we walked the three quarters of a mile to uh, a park and then after we played at the park Kids got a lot very sweaty. After that, I promised them we could, on the way home, we could walk a slightly different way and get a Starbucks. We get a Starbucks. We're sitting outside on the bench, and uh, a gentleman, uh, a, a tall, you know, gentleman, I'd say around our age, um, is. he uh, comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, do you have a minute?" I'm like, uh, "I'm with my kids, but yeah." Uh, he's like, "Yeah, I, I see that, and I, I see that you're with your kids, and you got three, and you're you're handling them. Um, if you don't mind me asking you something about this," uh, he's like. I'm a dad too, but I, I work a lot and I'm, you know, I'm a comedian, I'm a writer and I'm trying to find the balance
0: uh,
1: (laughs) of the career.
0: That's going to be the the mission of your life.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what I said. He's like, I just, I don't know how to get that balance of like pursuing all these things. And at the same time, um, you know, being with the kids and he's like and so how are you he's like it looks like you're doing it how are you doing it i'm like sir i'm like well firstly you know i appreciate you saying that it's you know i accept the compliment but i would just say that like it's not easy uh it is uh it is very difficult i am just coming back now from traveling and you know because of that i am um i am uh you know I'm, i'm exhausted." I'm I'm completely utterly exhausted, but I'm here with my family because I'm here with my kids because it needs to happen. The other thing I said to him in the moment was, you know, it's it is a quality over quantity thing, right? Like, yeah, my, you know, like be impactful. And you know, it's something that came up in our conversation with Jeff Canada was that I said, like, look, when you're with because he had all girls, I'm like, when you're with your girls. Be into the things they're into. Ask them questions. Try to understand it. Try oh, to see Jeff the world a through a girl
0: and a boy. But he, I think he was. I'm talking, saying that I'm talking oh, about this gentleman. Guy. Oh, I okay, met, yeah, I, got it. Yeah, yeah, so,
1: yeah. so I'm like, you know, you have a, you know, try to see the world through your girl's eyes, and try to like, and in doing so, you will give them a framework to ask you about what you do, and you can explain it to them. And then also, when you're not there, they understand what it is you're doing. The thing that I've I've only realized recently. And the thing that like I, I had to like, it, it absolutely was true in my own life with my mom, who was a working professional and, and away from home a lot, traveling. Um, was that if I don't, if the kids don't know what it is we're doing, and they're and 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 we're not around, they will just draw conclusions of whatever it is you're doing. they like, yes, ostensibly understand you're working, but they will just come to associate work as this thing that separates you from them. And that, you know, do you enjoy work more than you? Like, it's a choice. Like, do you enjoy work more than you enjoy being with them? You know, and like, it's having, I think kids knowing what it like, deeply knowing what a parent does, I think is huge. So long story short, we talked for a while It was a brief conversation, but it really was impactful. And it just reminded me, um, you know, like these conversations still need to happen for a reason. There's still not enough discussion amongst dads, uh, of all kinds to you know to, to have and like for some reason we're just so desperate for these conversations right like we're just yeah so
0: starved for it you, you know when you talk about the quality over quantity and and it and it has to happen it also speaks to the character of the man who is becoming the dead and yeah, that's true there are a lot of men out there who do not view it that way 100%. I still am and we've talked about this before but I'm still am faced with people inviting me out to things just thinking that it's the mom's job to do the stuff that I am also doing. Yep. And it makes me think also, you know, I think about my dad a lot. I never yeah. knew my dad, but one of the things I discovered about him before the pandemic started was that he was married 5 different times and had kids in every marriage he was in. Right. So I have multiple half brothers and half sisters, including a guy who was put up for adoption, who I found on 23 me. No, it was the ancestry.com. I found through ancestry.com who was trying to find people he was actually related to and answers about his father because he never knew his father. And I was like, oh, boy. And I was starting to have conversations online with him. And then he's in Nashville. I think there was a a big storm in Nashville that happened and they ran out of power. And then the pandemic started and I had to cancel my ancestry.com membership and all that. But the idea that as, as a man, if you're getting into this role of, or or just, you know, as just a person getting into the role of parenthood to be open to the fact that not only is this going to change your life, but you have to be, able and willing to step up to the constant responsibility of just knowing that this has to happen and you need to keep yourself open and available to take on this responsibility on a daily basis is a big thing because a lot of people out there end up just kicking it aside. And I I could tell now at least you know i i can imagine now that my dad through all of his disease through all of his addiction through all of whatever problems he was having he got married five times i think he was trying to chase his idea of what um of what a family life was supposed to mean in his mind and i don't know what was driving him psychologically to constantly ruin those relationships or to go back to the drugs and alcohol but the fact that he got married over and over again kept building up this idea of what a family is, kept having kids and then leaving. I mean, that speaks to a bigger issue that I think a lot of uh, men are struggling against in our society of just this idea of men leave and women are stuck with the brunt of, of the responsibilities and the, just the, the, the journey of parenthood without the support and without the partnership.
1: I I think about this a lot. I, um, you know, and I kind of, one day I figure one day we'd end up going here a little bit. Like my, my father was older when he met my mom and he had me, he didn't have me until he was 41. That's because, you know, as a young man, he, um, he had, he married young when he was in the military, he was stationed in Germany. He married, um, a woman after she became pregnant, uh, with my brother, Steve, who's no longer with us. And, uh, you know they had a fairly tumultuous marriage uh because it was not like really rooted in like love it was really just kind of rooted in whelp <laughs> and uh <laughs> well and, and um Yikes. you know they divorced at a young age and you know my brother steve was born here in in america and uh you know was raised in part by my grandparents um and meanwhile my dad was still in the military so my dad was station all over the world you know in Vietnam and all this other stuff and uh he met his second wife Jane uh who when he was living in China and or Taiwan I should say specifically and um you know my it was you know my father was very blunt about the fact that his first wife uh Ursula they were never it was never meant to be like a big romance thing it was just sort of it happened and you know, they kind of both immediately regretted it. And, uh, and, and I, my heart broke for Steve because it's kind of sucked to, you know, have that, but his second wife, Jane, uh, was her real name. Um, you know, it, it was clear how much my father adored her, uh, and how much they were just, just massively in love. And she passed away when my brother John was three. Um, and so by the time my dad met my mom who, was a young single mother had my brother, Dave, Uh, you know, she was young, but like wise and, and, you know, kind of an old soul at this point. And uh, you know, my father, I think recognized that he hadn't, you know, he, he didn't really have a lot of chances left. And like, he had to really grow up a lot Um, Mm -hmm. certainly being a widow uh, and then having to raise, you know two boys from two separate mothers who didn't really know each other um and he had to like forge weld a family together kind of like mm. a, a blacksmith who yeah. has to take like individual strips of metal to make a single billet he kind of had to do that with a family with my my mother's child and then they had me and I'm the thing that they had in common like in terms of children I'm the only child from my mom and dad but I have three older brothers um so for me it was like I, I always got this sense from my father. That's got to
0: fuck around with your identity, with your just your sense yeah, of think. identity. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. We were talking earlier about bloodline and let and, le- and, and yeah. tradition and yeah, family history. Like, dude. yeah, <laughs> it's a uh,
1: no. It, it did because like you be you become aware at a very young age that it took the death of someone for me to exist. Uh, has you and I Jane? both
0: have that in common.
1: We do, buddy. I, I <laughs> when you were telling me about that part of like your history, I was like, oh fuck, it's coming, it's coming, and it's here. So like, it's yeah. I mean, and so you know, my brother, my brother John, uh, who's who's still alive, and yeah, you know, I, I love him dearly. He lives in he lives in Vegas. Um, you know, he has very vague memories of his mom because he was three when she died. And right, you know, I was the only one of my siblings who was raised by a mother and father in the house. You know what I mean? And my brother David had my dad as a stepdad. And you know, what's that
0: like being raised by a mother and a father? These are
1: questions.
0: (laughs) I would, you know, and and I know that's a that's a heavy question to ask, but that's also something I've never really asked anyone, and I don't have that experience uh, for myself.
1: I'll tell you what I ask myself all the time growing up, which is, why do I get to have a mother and father? What is so special about me that? I get to have this, that John, Dave and Steve did not. I asked myself that a lot. Well, that can very, just open very...
0: yourself up to feeling guilty.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And it did, man. It, it totally did. And it also like, but at the same time, like I, and it, it absolutely impacted my relationship with my brothers at various times. John and I were always cool. Like John and I were like, there's 10 years between john and i i idolized that dude he was like the coolest motherfucker on the block like when i was when i was like five and six he was 16 he rode a motorcycle like (laughs) he he listened to the police he did karate he was like he was just my idol steve was just intensely bitter rightly so towards my dad and and like and that absolutely 100 percent impacted our relationship i happen to look a lot like my dad um and so that didn't do him any favors um and then david and i david and i are so close like i mean he was he was my best man at my wedding uh but david's i I love you david you're listening to this david's kind of a punk motherfucker like he's like he's (laughs) he's just like i say that with all the affection in the world no like he's he's i want to meet
0: david now (laughs) No, he,
1: he was a, he was a prankster, right? Like, so he was like the pranky older brother, the give you dead arms, kind of older brother, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing.
0: I don't know Um, what that means, but I'll, I'll go there with you.
1: Exactly. Right. So it's like, and that's, and that's the other part. It's like, there were times, you know, and you know, you, you commented before recording about, about workout stuff. It's like, I grew up skinny as a rail, skinniest and the smallest of like four kids and like, I, you know, like it, I've only in adulthood, like gained any modicum of athleticism and, um, you know, David had this, he had the age, he had the size. It was very easy for him to pick on me. And I used to like resent that, but I would always say like, well, shit, at least I have brothers, right? Like, you know, yeah, at least I have this. I knew a lot of kids who didn't. So it's, it's always one of those things where I had a very unique childhood that I, you know, in terms of like my family composition that none of my peers did. And it was always like, okay, always just be grateful for what you have, be grateful for what you have. Sure. And it it wasn't until adulthood where I started to interrogate, like, but was it really okay? Like was some of this stuff, like, okay, was, was, you know, yeah, we did the best we could, but does that mean I have to accept all of it as okay? Um, And the answer is no. Like I, I can, I can be grateful for all the things I had. And at the same time say, um, you know, and these things, things about my childhood were unacceptable. Danny Fernandez, a comedian. Uh, I've only, I, I only casually know Danny. Uh, uh, yeah, she, I'm fr- yeah. I'm
0: friends with her on Twitter.
1: Yeah. So like Danny, Danny and I, I think we worked briefly together on like a thing I tried to hire her once she auditioned like one time for a thing, but like, um, like she said something on Twitter and like one of her TikToks that like, just it completely flattened me because she's, you know, she's, she talks very openly about, you know, being in the mental health system and, and, it was, I forget the term she uses, but it's, it's the ability to say, and right. Like it's the ability to say, I had this, I have these very complicated feelings towards this person and I never want to see them again. Like, you know, I like like right. her case. I think that she said, it was like, uh, I'm, I'm sad. My father's not in my life and I never want to see him again. Like those things can exist simultaneously. And that was helpful for me. That was helpful for me to be like, you know, like, uh, I love my brothers all dearly. I love my father dearly. And there were things about. The situation that was completely fucked up like it's i can say both of those things in the same sense
0: for me I, i guess i could too but i guess what comes with that is is the feeling of i don't know guilt towards the people that i'm saying this about and i've been going through this a lot with my mother and trying to help her declutter her place and get her to a better more comfortable life but in doing so i'm uncovering psychological triggers that are deeply rooted in her that she can't acknowledge that I am seeing in myself. And so then to say any of those statements, it kind of digs into me personally, because there is a connection between my psychology and certain triggers in my life to my mother, to my grandmother, that I am working so hard to not Connect to my daughter. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense, man. Like, do you do
1: you let me ask you this and 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 feel free to tell me to fuck right off? Hey, um, fuck right off. Okay. No, ask the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel is it ever conflicting to you, um, being raised by a single parent that you can have these sort of like threads to pull on that will undo the whole sweater? Um in relation to things your mom did and how she raised you, but at the same time being like, but you know, she was also all you had, right? Like how do you square that dynamic of like, I have legitimate issue with something you did, but you were a single parent and I, you know, you were still, while this was also going on, you were the only one to care for me, raise me, all that other stuff.
0: Man, you know, it hasn't been, it's only been until recently that I have begun to, more so understand what she was working with when I was growing up. Yeah. She lost her father in a freak accident on her mom's birthday, which ended up fracturing my entire family and putting her worldview in a tailspin. She married a guy she met soon after that, who ended up being an ex-convict high school dropout drug addict, who did not show up to the hospital when I was born, who was drunk during their wedding. And when I was born, my dad, instead of taking on the responsibility of being a father, went out with his biker friends and got drunk all the time. And my mom would regularly have to go pick, her, pick him up from jail in like the middle of the night while I was a baby. And she likes to constantly say she was gullible back then. Sure. Which I think attaches an idea of shame to decisions you've made in your life. And I recently told her to stop, stop saying you were gullible. I feel like that is a cheap way of getting around the fact that you made decisions you regret. But at the end of the day, the decisions you made brought me here. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. You know, and uh there are certain things that happened, you know, the accident happened, my I came about my mom and dad got a divorce which ended up being a thing that she ended up having to consistently deal with through the courts for the next 3 decades until my dad died after finally we were able to garnish wages he owed $140,000 of child support that he did not pay. And they finally got him and were garnishing his wages years later when I was an adult Um, in the process of all the loss and the grief and the stress of my dad. And then moving in with my grandmother, who, if it wasn't for my grandmother, we would have been on welfare. Um, You know, my mom harbored a lot internally, which ended up manifesting itself in different health conditions over the years. Like she has a disability called Ehlers-Danlos that I think I have uh, the symptoms of, but that was something that was misdiagnosed for years and untreated. And it, it really is incurable, but through that and not dealing with the trauma of her dad's death and being bombarded with the stress of my dad, while also holding a full time job and being a parent as a single mom, you know, I view it as yeah I grew up in a very quirky, dysfunctional way, but I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't. You know what I'm saying? And looking at it now, if I was in my mom's situation, I don't know if i would have been able to do it any differently for the longest time i would i resented her and i i looked down on her for making certain decisions or for the way that i grew up cuz i grew up in low income housing next door to a crack house that got raided multiple times by swat during you know my childhood i wow I I was exposed to a, there was a active shooter situation in my neighborhood growing up and regular police helicopters overhead. And I I I was in gang territory and it, like I grew up in this area where it's in the valley. It's in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the, there's an people area
1: sleep on it,
0: like Pacoima
1: area. Like there, there's some. Yeah, it's not far from not Pacoima. Great- yeah, there's some not great parts of the Valley where like some shit can happen. Like, I think you forget that.
0: And I was exposed to certain things like that where it didn't just shape who I was, but it also sort of speaks to the financial emotional situation that my mom was in. And you could think about it now thinking, well, you know, you just got to put forth the steps to get into an educational uh, scenario where you can better your life. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people who still, you know, to this day, who are single parents, who are barely getting by, who, especially during the pandemic, can't afford daycare, are struggling with the full time parenting and full time jobs and not having the support. And if I didn't have my grandmother around to help pick up the slack and also financially give us a a, a safety net, like it could have gotten really bad. I am not happy with how I grew up in in many ways. The, the place I lived was fucking ghetto. I was very self-conscious about it. Um, when I tried to date girls early on, I ended up being the brunt of certain jokes and insults that I would hear at school as being like the poor kid because I would have to wear hand-me-down clothes and you know, and, and the neighborhood I lived in and the the crummy apartment I lived in. But I feel like that also shapes who you become and it shapes your understanding yeah. of the world. And it, it put me in this position where I feel like I'm constantly hungry for the next thing, where I can't just really sit still, even though it's made it more difficult now that I'm a parent sure. at home to be able to do everything I want to do. But, you know, to come back to that, I feel like you know, my mom did the best she could. She even we talked about this recently. Uh, I wanted to know about her high school about about her, you know, growing up, and she was like, I was an average student. I didn't get really good grades. I wasn't very smart. And so she had a hard time really finding her own, especially in a a time when women were expected to stay in the house. You know, my grandmother completely expected my mother to find a man that could just support us. And that was just her whole thing. And my mom didn't want to do that. When you think about the generation my grandmother came from, that was it. That was the goal, right? A woman was going to find a a successful man to marry. That They were raised with the idea of that is what women do. Men go out and, and are the breadwinners and the women stay home and raise the children and cook and stuff. And for my mom to just like, deal with the trauma and then just go head first into trying to make it work. I gotta give her, you know, a lot of credit for that. No matter how difficult and challenging and uh uh upsetting to me it was at the time, you know?
1: Anytime we give the kids medicine, it's like it's it's double. it's like the we both have like the nuclear key like give me your key captain turn um anyway i watched well, i warden.
0: don't I, I i paused it and now we're unpaused and i have no idea how this is gonna uh, play out no, we warden. we
1: pause just for the audience we pause because my my son has an itchy throat because of ice cream so i have no problem sharing that i have no problem yeah. sharing that now i get here. an itchy
0: butthole when i have ice cream
1: yes uh <laughs> In fact, this is, you know, we the were talking about
0: a uh, difficult subject matter, but sure, let's switch over. Well, no,
1: I, no, I, th- I say it because, like, it, it's again, it goes back to how we got onto this topic, which is the shit needs to be talked about. Like, like there's, um, well, yes. there's
0: a. Well, yes. Well, yes, I guess I guess to, to finish off my thought before I forget yeah, it, though, please. Yeah, I feel and, and I for some reason in my life, the male friends I have end up being for the most part, not always. But the male friends who I click with are friends who come from a broken family who are raised by a mother where their father ended up being a deadbeat or or uh, left the scenario and end up having similar emotional um, conflicts and issues. They are still reconciling with years later. And I I have a friend right now who's dealing with that with his mom. And it's getting to a point where it frustrates him and it causes fights all the time. Because deep down, he sees it in himself. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah.
0: And I've been going through that. and But for me now, it's reflecting on why I'm getting upset and to maybe trying to get to the root of fixing it in me because I can't fix and change my mother. But at least I can acknowledge it. And it's been it's been taking me on these trips, reflecting a lot about growing up and being bullied and beaten up and the violence I grew up around. And, you know, the 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 constant messaging that my mom raised me with was don't, you know, avoid confrontations. You have a temper like your father. And she we recently had a conversation about her being someone who operated from a place of fear, which you know, is really understandable given the huge accident that happened that caused you to live in this world where you are afraid you're going to lose other loved ones. But, um, you know, I realized recently I have this constant fear that Kelly is going to take Lily on a drive somewhere and they're never going to come back, that some accident's going to happen and they're never going to come back. And I only recently realized that that's probably because of all the reinforcement I got as a child about my dad being a bad person and my grandfather being killed. You know,
1: I, I, uh, um, I hear that, um, it's a couple things. I, it's, you know, I, my big push to fitness has a hundred percent been because, uh one, I used to be like a competitive athlete in my early 20s and and uh I always was in shape. And then you get married and then you have kids and your own fitness kind of takes a back seat. But um, you know, my dad, I watched my dad have a heart attack when I was eight years old. Um I
0: Yeah, you talked had, about that. Yeah, um, I, you know, I mentioned yeah.
1: this thing. Yeah. So I felt like he had been dying most of my life. And I that's not just straight up not gonna be me. That's just I'm. Not, I'm. Granted, I can't control. There's so many things I can't control. What I can control is getting, like, a good, healthy relationship with food. I yeah. cannot drink to the extent that he did. Uh, I can. I can control. There's so many things I can control. That I owe it to my kids to do that. I was, not even nine, when, I was pulled out of school and taken to the VA, in West Los Angeles. Uh, sitting in the lobby as my dad had emergency triple bypass surgery, not knowing if he's going to live or not. Um, and 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 Grayson has made it past that age. Yeah, Riker's two years away from that. Millie's six years away. From that's that. like I, that's just, like an
0: internal benchmark for you, isn't it? Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. Right and now, so, I get so, it. So that's that. The other part of it is my father. This is where Danny Fernandez's and statement kind of helps out because my father absolutely adored me. He. Doted over me in, in so many ways. He was fanat- like He he was he was so proud of me and all the things I did. And he had an extraordinarily bad temper for anyone in his path. Uh, a temper that was fueled by frustration at his own position in life. Uh, that he never made more of himself. And a a frustration of whenever he felt powerless in any situation. And I I would stop short of saying he was verbally abusive. I would say that he knew he could be extraordinarily cruel um, with his words. And he, again, like the, you know, when he would calm down, he would regret anything he said in his temper, but it's shit that no kid should hear from a parent. And, you know, and it's stuff I have never done with my kids. That said, when there, when I have found myself in deep moments of frustration or, powerlessness, I have seen a temper come out of me that I had never seen before.
0: Oh and, yeah. yeah. And
1: and yeah, and I I know I am not doing one tenth of what my father was capable of. So right, yay. but still you end I'm up disappointing myself. Exactly. I, I'm 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 not living up to my own standard. I've and I and you know what? I've gone in and apologized to my boys for losing my temper because they I want to normalize men apologizing. I want to normalize a man coming in and saying, I was wrong. No, buts. No, I was wrong. I was wrong. But you guys didn't do the thing I asked you to do. It's like, yeah, you didn't do the thing I asked you to do. No excuse for me getting that level of upset about it. Right. And
0: And at least you have that that self-awareness. There's a parent in my apartment building who just rails on her kids. Oh, God. And it's you know I can only imagine how they're going to grow up and their view of life. You know I grew I've, I've talked about this before, but there were neighbors in my apartment building who beat the shit out of me all the time, and Ugh. it was because they grew up around that. Their father was a um, worked in a prison, and he would come home and beat up the wife, and sometimes their physical altercations would end up on the lawn outside their apartment for the entire apartment complex to see the cops were called multiple times. I witnessed him throw her into a closed window. Oh my God. You know, it's so it's like when you think about that and then, you know, how are those people, how are those kids going to develop? I know how it developed in me uh, to avoid those types of confrontations until my temper it's built up and exploded in multiple ways where, you know, I think I've talked about this before. If I had access to a gun in high school, I could have possibly done something that you would have heard about on the news because I was in a, I I was in a very bad depressed state, which was sort of the, um, the culmination of constantly being bullied and beaten up, being taught by my parents, figures to avoid confrontation and not stand up for myself and then live with the thought that I'm cursed because every man in my family goes away. Uh, You know, getting to that place in your life. This was right before I really got heavily into the goth industrial club scene in Los Angeles, California.
1: Into the show. We got to settle some beef around that. But but yeah, but yeah, go ahead.
0: But yeah, no, it's like, you know, I, I look to my mom and I think about the idea of, of living in fear and how that can translate in just how you interact with the world on a daily basis. She doesn't want to get into an Uber. She's never been in an Uber. I was talking to her the other day, taking Uber to my house. You're two miles away. Uh, I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? I don't know. And we had to like, I had to dig and she's afraid of getting in an Uber, but it's like thoughts like that can stop you from progressing in your, in your life in certain ways but being surrounded by that all my life growing up, something in me switched when I went into therapy. Where it's suddenly yeah. not about being stifled. You know what I mean? If there is a problem in my life, figure out the solution and fix it. If something scares me, like going to get the vaccine shot, which I went and got my first shot uh, yeah. two weeks ago, do it anyways because. When I grew up, I learned early on to be afraid of bees, to be afraid of needles. My mom is definitely afraid of bees and she's never been stung by one.
1: I'm so afraid of needles. It's ridiculous. I hate needles. Needles. It's
0: like all these things where, you know, I see kids who aren't and I'm like, they learn from the parents and I'm going to do my best to not hand my fear of dentistry or needles (laughs) or bees down to my daughter. And I think it starts with, just uh acknowledging the fear and then doing it anyways.
1: My my kids are great with the dentist. I have a really sensitive gag reaction, so I can't even do oh, that. Like I can't should even do we dental it,
0: Eddie?
1: Hey, there you go. Uh no, but like I can't <laughs> do that. I, I will say this, kind of pivoting off what you're saying. I I too experience, you know, bullying both from you know my brother and, and also from from kids. But I will say this. I moved around every school year. I changed cities every school year because of my mom's career. So like just a a quick sample, the trajectory of first grade to fourth was Santa Rosa, California, Orlando, Florida, Long Beach, Newport Beach. That was first, second, third, fourth. So focusing in on two areas there, third grade, Long Beach, San Pedro area, 1987, the crack age is like hitting the West Coast. I'm like, I'm going to school in Long Beach in 87 I'm going to a a Catholic school, not because my family was Catholic, but because the schools around us were just so freaking like distressed in that bad, or in that moment that my parents felt like that was the only option. Like that was not a fantastic neighborhood in in, in like that sense, but the kids I met there, cool as shit, uh, really ethnically diverse. I had Filipino, Latino uh, friends. I I, I, had, I had friends of every color. I had great friendships there. We moved to Newport Beach, California. Really, really affluent. I lived on Babel Island. Still love it to this day. Very, very affluent, which is coded for white. (laughs) Yes, Um, I know. (laughs) So Uh. all the Babel Island kids, we had to take the bus to Newport Beach Elementary and it was like it was like a 45 minute ordeal for the bus to make its way to the island pick us all up and then get over there i have never been more of, as a kid more afraid of getting the shit kicked out of me than i was by all these rich entitled white motherfuckers that like absolutely that were just like i mean and it was like fucking lord of the flies dude like once yeah like the, once the bus it. dropped us off it was just and like they were all friends but like we were just <laughs> constantly getting into fucking fights like i was just getting the shit kicked out of me daily i was i had i got in my first fight where i actually won in fourth grade because i just kept kicking a dude in the nuts over and over again until he just like stopped moving i did that like, too yeah because what else when you're skinny what else you got you got that yeah. and eyes and you're not as big of a dick to go for the eyes so you just keep kicking someone in the nuts like that but that like that hardened me like that that shitty or what was supposed to be this nice beautiful environment we had this beautiful home we, we're, we had good money at the time. Man. I'm like, send me back to fucking Long Beach, man. I, I don't mind stepping on crack files on the way to school as long as like, I don't. That's fucking- because
0: I, I feel like, you know, and that was kind of similar like to the neighborhood I grew up in. It was hard, but the yeah. kids in that neighborhood grew up with the sense of we have to work for what we get. There was a sense of yes. authenticity and um, connectiveness in the struggle to, yes. to make it. Where yes. I had to take a two-hour bus, two different public, two different m, uh, what was it? The RTD back in the day. Before it was the MTA, it was the RTD, the Rabbit Rapid Transit.
1: Rapid Transit District. just D- 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 yes. I took two Something. public
0: buses to school and from school. It was like I was busing myself to the nicer neighborhood, to the nicer right. school. It was a prep school. Dude, and it was so shitty. The yeah. things I learned there the, just spoke to the lesser Angels characters. Of our nature? Of, yes, yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. But you know, anyways, I think we should pivot to a different topic because topic.
1: Of, we've been. Yeah, again, this is a this is a ramble hour that we're we're doing. Um, well, we
0: well, before we decided to uh, that we were going to start coming back this week. One thing you wanted to talk to me about that you told me about uh, briefly was the idea of transitioning back into society uh, now that uh, it feels like the pandemic may be coming to an end. And
1: yeah, we don't know how far off, but it's there is a light on the other. There is already
0: conversations here about taking Lily to Disneyland for her third birthday in September. Uh, I got my first covid shot. My first Moderna shot um, two weeks ago. Mm. And, you know, the thing that Jeff said was it's easier going into quarantine than coming out, Jeff Canata, when he was on the show. And I keep thinking about that today. uh, Kelly and I were talking about how Lily has no friends her age and the idea of daycare, or at least trying to have play dates. And Kelly said, but then I, worried that I'm not going to trust the people who are going to take care of her. And I'm like, well, isn't that just the crux of being a parent who can't be with their kid hundred percent of the time? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I had any friend my age until I started school when I was three. Right. You know, but I see it the other day we took Lily outside And a neighbor kid is about half a year older than her. And you could see that Lily just wanted to interact, but didn't know how. And it's heartbreaking. It really is to see the excitement and the interest in a kid's eyes to interact with another kid, their age, but not have the tools to do so. And then you as a parent being stuck, not sure what the appropriate steps to make are because we are currently in this Reality where we're still wearing masks and still unsure who to trust um, and who to let in. You know, even aside from being in a pandemic, just our culture right now is very untrustworthy of your fellow man. You know what I mean? And so, when talking about acclimating back into some semblance of normalcy, I have no idea what that would look like or what to expect, but I would love to hear your feedback like what type of conversations are you guys having i mean
1: my kids my my boys know what covid is like they they know what covid is they they are back in school my kids are attending school my is it son, online yeah no it's a, a teacher it's I, I i'll send you a video but like there's they've got cubicles with glass things around them they're masked up all hmm. day uh the teachers behind i think the teacher is teaching remotely um But they're for the kids that are opting to attend class. They're doing that, and just that has made a world of difference. Um, I was walking myself for
0: you or for them,
1: for both. I mean, for for us, it means I can get work done, and Rachel only has to manage Millie here. Uh, And when Rachel goes to teach in the evening, like at that point, the kids are like easier to manage than during the daytime.
0: Right. Um, Okay. So Millie isn't even at the age yet to go into school. That's that's definitely not. I've never been through this experience before. So the idea of having to eventually figure out where to put Lily and just say goodbye to her and just like yeah. hand oh, her off.
1: It came up in my memories today, but I like, have,
0: I-, I have a distinct memory of my first day of school of yeah. my mom dropping me off and holding on to her leg and not letting go and screaming, having a full on, Breakdown on the school that. property.
1: Yeah, Rachel did that. Rachel's like, "Don't go," and like Rachel's like, "I'm sorry for what I did." She no, I said mean that me. Yeah, me uh, doing no, that as a totally. kid. But no, uh, dude, I I cried. I cried when um, like yeah, when Rachel was a kid, she she was that way. And then like when we were shopping for Grayson's, it came up in my Facebook memory today. But when we were shopping for Grayson's backpack, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like backpack because then you're The problem is, dude, is that we're flooded with all of our school memories at once. (laughs) At in once, we're putting the weight of our entire elementary experience (laughs) in like one crystallized ingot onto this one day of this kid. Because then you're just like, oh my god, they're going to have best friends and they're going to play, and then their best friends aren't going to like him anymore, and then they're like, they're going to do this, and they're going to join sports. And like,
0: God, do you remember how how just how just earth shattering it was oh, when your best God. friend stopped being your friend,
1: dude, dude. Uh, when Riker was in Montessori, when he was in, when he was in preschool, uh, he had this best friend who was, I forget the kid's name, but like, and then one day he was, they were playing and they disagreed about something. And the kid just callously said like, well, we're not friends anymore. Just said it like as quick as that, like, and didn't <laughs> probably didn't mean it, but it's, sh- shattered Riker for days man. and like there was like three days after the fact we're driving and Riker just starts crying I'm like what's my He's like he said he doesn't want to be my friend anymore I'm like oh buddy and you then it brings up your shit because mm. the way they say it is mm. in this voice that you realize mm. is your own and you 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 go through that I moved every year man I fucking whether I had the best friends of my life or not mm. I knew I was saying <laughs> goodbye to everybody after a school year Um so it was it was it was always it 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 brought back some real shit. Uh you know, listen, I it's the best thing in the world, the best feeling is when they come home and they tell you about their day. That's that's the coolest shit in the world. That's or when they learn shit, like when Grayson is learning stuff that I don't remember learning in fourth grade. He's remembering he's learning all kinds and Riker too. Like Riker's still get he's he's six, he's 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 still trying to get the mastering of reading. And 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 making that transition smooth. Grayson learned to read when he was three, but Riker comprehends better. It's weird. It's fascinating to see how they're different. Like like Grayson reads super fast, remembers nothing. Riker reads super slow, remembers everything forever. Like he'll read something (laughs) and then weeks later recall it and incorporate it. Like that's funny. I I don't know which is better, right? Like I don't know. I don't know which is the better outcome. So all that is to say, um, your kids will be fine i think when it comes to the pandemic thing um you know just millie has had some development so if we took her to the park today and a four not even a four-year-old girl was so sweet came up to her her name was talia she came up to her and was like you know let's play tried to hold her hand and like said, let's play and like was inviting millie to participate and millie was just terrified like she just doesn't have the time around other kids her age that's and, exactly
0: yeah, what I'm really is about. doing.
1: Lily is doing a lot of that same shit too. Like, so yes. Meanwhile, yes. the boys who had that framework, they, I swear to God, they made like a little get along gang. Uh, they literally Grayson and Riker were like leading a pack of 15 kids on like an adventure. It was an amazing to watch. Meanwhile, Millie was just so damn head shy. And I'm like, well, this will be interesting. It's in an five uphill years battle. I, I feel yeah. like
0: it's going to be an uphill battle, but like, we're going to try. Like, we have to try. We have I know, to try. What else can we I do? Know, I know that when you're isolated from people as a kid, you can grow up and yearn to stay isolated, which can have both positive and negative effects on your psyche. And right. it can translate into not being equipped socially or professionally to interact with peers or coworkers. Right. But fuck, just as a kid, like, you know, taking her to the park every time a kid gets close to her, at least the last time I went, it was like, you know, emergency, pick me up, you know? And then I feel completely distraught. Right. And overprotective and following her to do everything. Where then I watch my wife do it and she's so more hands off than I am. And I might be super protective because, A, I, never had a dad around or didn't have the thought or preparation that I was going to be a parent. I never really interacted with children. That might be a part of it, but I have to constantly put my overprotectiveness in check and I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that once things are open back up and we do put her into whatever School or daycare scenario, but it's going to have to happen soon. You know, I'm now working this full time situation, at least right now. And to 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 balance that with what my wife has going on here while also being there for Lily, it's it's challenging and exhausting. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I don't even know what Disneyland's going to be like in September.
1: Isn't that like but, some crazy shit where you just like pay to walk around the damn park? party go going rides right now?
0: Like, I don't know. I mean, her birthday's in September. We're supposed to go then, but I know uh, 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 Universal is about to open. Like, are people, look, I have a ticket to go see Godzilla versus Kong at the movie theater. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's cool. I, but I saw and, it the other night on HBO. Uh, but I am going as a treat to myself to as have you some time away, especially after this busy week before. As you should. Yeah, but but still, that even feels like a huge risk to go into a movie theater in a in a scenario like that that I haven't been in in over a year.
1: I can't well, imagine
0: what it would be like to be on a plane like you just were on a plane to go to Vegas or you dude, know to go to Disneyland and stay in a hotel or yeah uh, you know I,
1: I stayed in my hotel out of panic when I was in Vegas. I went to the office. I went to the hotel. I worked up the nerve to go to the noodle bar at, uh at the Venetian because they have fucking dumplings for like five bucks. uh And, and then Sapporo and I I wanted that, but, it, and that was like, that was decent because it was distanced and it was like, you know, like that felt, that felt safe, but Holy fuck. The, this was like the first weekend that people in Vegas said, like it returned to normal. The number of people I saw there in their credit, the vast majority of them were totally cool with the mask, but it, just so many people it was I, saw, I looked out my window onto the strip and saw just the sea of people it felt like any other night i'm like what the right. fuck right are you do like jesus right. christ and, and
0: this this is happening when uh, like france is now in complete lockdown again for yeah. three weeks and yeah there's surges in different places like to, to be talking about reopening things i'm glad we're we're moving towards you know some sort of uh part of this where maybe we are finally turning a corner but Jesus fucking Christ are we are we going too soon and if we're not going too soon how are we gonna do this safely and if we can do this safely how are we gonna do this safely for my mental health and for my child's well-being where we can all get out of this uh happy <laughs> you
1: know yeah and I don't know how I don't like I mean the reality is listen my there's a couple of things one you're getting vaccinated. Rachel's vaccinated. I'm probably going to get vaccinated soon. Um,
0: I am moving. Can I talk a about months. that for, for for a second? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. I did not have a plan to get vaccinated. Okay. When I got it. I mean, I, I when I got it, my plan was, oh, I was going to have to wait. I had thrown my back out by living my life. I, I didn't do anything insane. through my back out. And it right. was bad for weeks um, right. to the point where my wife forced me to go to a chiropractor, which was a thing I had never done in my life. You entire told me life. about this. Yeah. Uh, I, he broke me <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> um, and then I was still it took me another week to heal, which meant I could not pick up my daughter. I could not sleep comfortably. Um, so <laughs> that Saturday I'm at home and my plan was to stay in bed to try to rest my back. And sure. I heard that they had opened up new a new tier or new new uh openings in COVID vaccinations that people with health conditions um or disabilities <laughs> could get vaccinated. And I immediately, without thinking, was like, "That's me." And so i I ended up getting a last minute appointment. Like it was literally like one forty five. The appointment was at two thirty. At Pierce College, which was a 30-minute drive away. Right. Got into the car. It was my first time sitting down in a car since throwing my back out. Ended up sitting in rush hour traffic to get there. Realized I forgot my cane. So then I'm walking up to like check in. My cane. <laughs> and I'm walking like I'm a disabled. Like, like I have a problem. I, I can't move quickly. Like I injured right. myself. So everyone's, you know, I have a mask on and everyone's like, are you okay? Do you need to sit? Do you need help? Do you need help? Like talking to me, like I'm 80 and I just, I can't walk quickly. And I walk up and I I check in and they asked me for documentation supporting my health condition. And I was like, uh, I, I didn't, I I don't have that. (laughs) And they said, well, here's a form to fill out to, to basically it claim what your condition is so i just like signed my name they gave me the form sent me on my way 15 minutes later i had the shot and the form that i filled out and signed they handed back to me and told me to take it home and i'm like well that's weird why did i so you didn't need any proof of any of this i so basically i was lying about having a health condition but now got my shot so that's how that went down (laughs)
1: i yeah honestly i got the confirmation that i'm like in the queue or something like that so i have to i have to follow up with it exactly see what it is i i my thing is um once we do that we're also moving um I'm completely fine. And where we're moving is, is Santa Clarita. That's like a, that's it's kinda you know, it's a little a little ways there, away. We're when you when, when
0: you when you end up moving up there, by the way, there is a new Japanese bakery up there that you should totally check.
1: Please out. let me know. I'm I I'm 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 contacting the, the folks who live up there for food and restaurant recommendation.
0: I just went called the Loaf Bakery. Shout out to the Loaf Bakery. It is legit japanese baked goods like like what they have in japan and i got hopped up on a matcha cold brew latte which i'm still dreaming about sorry i just took a pivot in this conversation no it's
1: it's quite all right Um, this
0: episode brought to you by the loaf bakery (laughs) you're right
1: uh but like but i that the thing is like when we do that like we're going to just be like hey if you have your vaccine come over and if you don't We'll see you when you get your vaccine. It's that right. it's that simple for us. It's that simple yeah. calculus. Like um, even like I I have antibodies because I had it and uh, you know like I um I'm not even because we don't know how long that should last months maybe you know it goes away eventually like it's it's a uh, I'm I am uh we're we're ready to take that position of just like we'll see you when you get your vaccine like we're just we're we're not gonna. Allow for a space that contributes. Well, to, once you know, we
0: are vaccinated, I would love to bring Lily over so dude, Lily it's can been, meet Millie. <laughs> it's been
1: it's been too long. It's been way way too long. Uh, you know, yeah.
0: The final thing I wanted to talk about. I just realized we've been talking for over an hour. Um, as parents, we are now in a position, especially as parents who were former sort of rebellious kids, or you know. You and I were, were members, uh, ancillary or not, of a yes. club scene yes. That, that, yes,
1: yes, that, yes.
0: that promoted vampirism and other <laughs> uh, sadomasochistic themes in music and style of dress.
1: Well, really quickly, you've given your goth credentials quite a lot. I would like to just set my bona fides up really quickly. I was more <laughs> a fan of the music. I was more a fan. I listened to like... Oh, I know. You know, came FDM, uh, Front 242, Suzy, like the the classic, you know, Joy Division. A lot of the classic, like what we associate as goth or industrial goth bands are the ones I listen to. And then um, I I went to a club. in So there's a famous club called Club Ruby. It was in Hollywood. These these different nights, these theme nights. I went to Perversion and I went to Clockwork Orange.
0: Have you been Uh, by there recently? It's now an office building.
1: It is now an office building. And I'm like, man. The you wonder of what's times crazy about that? I crawled that? out of there at two in the morning looking for a street dog.
0: Do you want to know what's crazy about that? A few years Please. ago, I went to that building to, work. to interview Peyton Reed, the director of Batman Man. Yeah, that's crazy. Because IDPR is now in yes. that building. I was I, I I, I even told him, that. I'm yeah. like, this is fucking weird. It's weird. I used to live in <sighs> the bottom portion of this building on a weekly basis
1: so many so many great nights so i went to the, i went there a lot i went to, i did my time at bar sinister like everybody else um and you know i've seen i've seen ministry and KMFDM and, and and various bands play play live front 242 uh in 1998 outside of the palace theater right before kiss fm night exiting that concert in full goth garb uh while all the j crew and american eagle kids were on their way in was one of my favorite memories of my life but that that's just my so you were probably more entrenched into the scene is what i'm saying but i was kind of on the periphery of it
0: as well yeah i got very heavy into it for a while there you know i was wearing vinyl pants and chains and fishnets and makeup and uh, i remember meeting some friends not even thinking about it i was trying to emulate the aesthetic that trent reznor had in the march of the pigs music video before going out to a club And we met friends at the abbey in west hollywood right and i was walking across the street in vinyl shorts knee uh uh knee high uh gladiator boots fishnet stockings eye makeup lipstick bondage bracelets and sure Did not understand what I was being (laughs) catcalled while I was walking across the street. Sure, (laughs) like what? (laughs) Of course, (laughs) of course. (laughs) But um, my point in bringing that up is, you know, we have some knowledge and experience in our lives that we can possibly implement as parents once our kids start, maybe wanting to experiment and go out to clubs and, and who may get interested in music subcultures that aren't yep. kiss FM. Uh, sure. I've definitely been exposed to, you know, the, the old school punk rocks and the New York dolls and the, you know, the subhumans and ska music and it, uh, really into industrial and goth for the longest periods. Yeah. Um, my reason for bringing that up is we have a certain understanding and sensibility, I think, uh, to how the world works. And you and I both grew up sure. in a time when there was a satanic panic in the eighties. Gen X, baby. And now there's that thing that happened with little Nas X having, uh, Oh
1: yeah. What is, what is old is new again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And putting out a shoe that had a drop of blood in it, a Satan <sighs> shoe that was supposed to be, uh, an answer to the Jesus shoe that came out a few years ago, which was, I guess like a collaboration sneakers and uh, the conservative faction of the internet. And uh, just in general have been freaking out about how this would uh, affect the children because little Nas X's music is popular with the kids where first of all, listen to his fucking lyrics, you know, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Old town road. Sure, about doing lean. Yeah, but there is that that it it feels so antiquated to say this because I grew up when there wasn't a parental advisory sticker on albums and cassette tapes, and then when there was, and the idea of how video games are going to rot your brain and how music like this is going to make you want to worship the devil or go out and commit violence, and here we are with a new song that came out <laughs> and a shoe that's the Satan shoe with blood in it that is putting little Nas X on, on this like it, it, it's promoting his music in a way but it's also calling him like a Satanist where I mean white people have been doing this for years you for know years. what I mean
1: uh, yeah I mean I am I, I listened to a lot prior to Gotham Destro I listened to a lot of metal I play guitar so I, I, I listened to a lot of metal and my my parents were even my dad, who was who was agnostic and definitely not a Christian, like, um, had a, he was old, like he just had this old fuddy-duddy approach to modern rock music, and uh, I remember he walked in my room as uh, "Use Your Illusion One" by Guns and Roses was playing, and a song called "Get in the Ring" came on. And if you're unfamiliar with the song, it, it's it's barely a song; it's basically an expletive-filled rant from. Uh, from Axel Rose challenging Bob gucci owner jr the editor of spin at the time as to a fight calling him all sorts of horrible names and, and abusive language my dad <laughs> walked in right when that happened and my dad just said destroy the tape just straight up just destroy yeah, it this is probably
0: the same time I was listening to no Vaseline by Ice Cube
1: yeah well, I was listening to way worse that's the thing like I was yeah. N- NWA was on heavy rotation and that's the thing is that like it's not It's all about the ephemera. It's not about the surface level. I was also listening to Public Enemy, Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black.
0: Yeah. Same here.
1: They didn't say very many curse words on that album, but that album is like, I mean, I listened to by the time I get to Arizona in front of my parents, and they didn't scan deep enough to the lyrics where they're basically saying, We're going to march to Arizona and kill the governor unless he changes this law. You
0: know, there was, uh, it's funny you're talking about this. So I bought Appetite for Destruction on cassette. I was too young to get it, took it home. I didn't like it because I wasn't really into uh, I was I grew up on hip hop music. So like my mom took me back to warehouse. I think it was warehouse warehouse RIP warehouse and walked me up to the counter and chastised the clerk for For selling selling underage kid appetite for destruction. I got the money back, went over and bought fear of a black planet (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> but again that's the thing but, a surface but, it's, it level also, but still it had
0: yeah. the the parental advisory sticker on it still so right. i technically was not the right age and the guy was looking at me all funny but it's like it's the same shit and it, so it's, yeah exactly. you think about that you think about cop killer that song that came out uh, yep. from ice t's uh metal project there was a lot of stuff growing up uh, body count yeah yeah that that really had this this offensive like oh my god this is gonna just destroy the kids sort of messaging and you're getting that again with fucking little Nas X and a little bit of blood in a shoe for a promotional campaign and I'm like are they attacking him because he's a black gay man who is in the spotlight because was it Slayer or Pantera who put out a limited edition satanic tennis shoe with a pentagram on it like oh yeah
1: oh and and to be fair like the satanic panic it was not like I remember there was a uh, there was a street uh, there was a skateboard brand called Natas, uh, yeah. N A T A S, because it was named after a dude whose last name was Natas, right. like it, like he was like Portuguese or or something. And I remember my seventh grade woodshop teacher was like, "I won't allow the Natas shirt in here because it's Satan spelled backwards." I'm like, "It's also a okay. dude's name, you white <laughs> fuck. Like it's yeah, it's not like that's the thing is that it's it's um." It is it is a surface level reaction. It is not ironic to me at all that I got grounded with things taken away every time I got caught playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I went on to produce the most well known Dungeons and Dragons show like in the world. Like I you do, know like Do you
0: wanna do you wanna name drop the show you're it's, talking it's a critical role, it's not or, it's not hard to, I don't yeah, know if I, anyone I, listening to this knows that. Yeah.
1: I mean listen my last name is Doty. if you are a fan of Critical Role the name Doty, like they there was a character named after me like that is there's a an NPC named Doty that they that I will say to this day I don't know why Sam did it but he it did is it.
0: crazy to me how big that show is I have hung out with Matt Mercer yeah, at you know Matt. Comic-Con yeah. Yeah. and the the disguises he has to wear just to oh, be dude. in public like it just blows my mind Well I, it's crazy
1: <laughs> I, crazy was like back in like 2006 Matt actually like was sitting next to us during the masquerade, and like it was me, Frida Wolf, Sean Baby, and like um and I think Damien and like a few of us. And he was there just hanging out with us. Um and it fucking like I didn't know this until years later, until I was already like friends with him and working with him. So it was it was it's a it's a weird Comic Con story. But my point is is that with with DD, like I I again my parents fell for it. My parents fell for the fact that it was like this really awful thing. And I gave my mom endless shit when I was literally making my living doing stuff based around yeah. D&D and, and, and to this day like I play and I that's the other thing I play D&D with my kids it's fucking awesome they yeah. use their imagination that it, like it's See, so it's, that's, healthy that's,
0: that's what it is though I feel like that is the involvement of the parent to understand yes the media that their kids are you know attracted to or enjoying or listening to or trying to trying new things like my mom for all of her faults was super supportive of me putting black lipstick and black eyeliner on and going out to clubs. She thought my, my outfits were, were fun and would take pictures of it. And I was embarrassed about that. But when I look back on that now, I'm like, I feel like that that's the best that it could have been, you know? And so when you think of like, shit like like the Nas X X X or, or anything else that adults, continually for decades point to as corrupting the the the, the minds of our kids like uh, maybe you're afraid of it yes, maybe I mean, it's you yeah you know? it,
1: it's it, you're 100% right and like the good news is we don't have to interrogate this too deeply because because, not, because hold on because, because, like, but, go ahead, right, please but yeah. these
0: kids they've grown up in the internet age you think yes. this is the worst they've seen
1: definitely not that's i mean i've dude fucking hell Millie is finding things on YouTube when my back is turned. Millie, my two-year-old is finding quote unquote We talked about this at length. We'll talk about more, I guess later, but like that, that's part of it. The other part of it is like Nas is making a, little Nas X is making a very clear statement on, you know, you call us, you call what I am sinful. You, you, you make, you invoke all this imagery of the devil you cannot be mad when I throw it right back into your face. He literally kills the devil. He literally kills the devil in the video, by the way. He like, he's he's, like, yeah, he gives him a lap dance, but he fucking kills him in the video. Like that's the, that's the thing that I think people don't understand. I mean, I was not like you. I did not have parents who accepted that. Every time I went to a concert, like I, like, thankfully my parents both fell asleep very early. Cause I'd be like, oh, I'll be back at 10. I'd be back at one. Yeah. I went and saw, I went and saw Pink Floyd, like when I was 16. Like I le- I did, I did the, um, if you've ever seen velvet Goldmine, there's a, a flashback scene where Christian Bale's character has to like leave his house dressed nice. And then like goes into the city and like changes into, right, like, right, his, right, yeah. his, like, his, 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 his mod clothes. And that's kind of what I had to do until I came back from the army. And then I'm like, if I can die for my country, I can fucking wear bondage. Absolutely. You know I mean? Like I can I can I can wear buckles and straps and shit on my pants and go and go dance to like fucking, you know, CJ Boland uh at at this place in Hollywood. Um and I guess that's like my I hope my kids I, I don't ever want that for them. I I want no. them to be themselves and you know, be what they want to be and and they'll get nothing from love here.
0: I think I think that's something that I think we promote a lot on this show is just yeah. being interested in what your kids are interested in and be engaged. And I think that brings me to the final thing I really wanted to quickly talk about. Yeah. Go for it. Which is this TV show called generation on HBO max.
1: Yeah. I I haven't watched it. Like I've watched the first episode. No, it's, you know, what? I cede the floor to you.
0: Okay. The reason why I wanted to talk about this show aside from its subject matter, which it feels like a updated version of my so-called life. Oh, it's there, ve- but it's very edgy. It's very honest, yeah. and authentic to what it i'm I'm assuming is like to be a high school aged kid now, you know, now you grew up, you were born after nine eleven You were born with the reality of social media being a thing your entire life. You grew up, um digitally connected you know and and knowing that the number way number one way to interact with people is through using your fingers on a phone to send messages as opposed to speaking in person and all of that comes with you know all of that comes with like the trauma and the lingering impact of 911 that happened and then the the economic collapse and all that like i can't imagine what it's like To go to high school with social media even being a thing. When I went to high school, we didn't have phones in our pockets. You know, I got a pager because I was an actor. And that was even, you know, I got a lot of drug dealer jokes because I had a pager. So it's crazy to think. So I'm bringing this up because not only does it feel to me kind of like a show that could have easily happened in the 90s when I was in high school and so well-rounded in the way that these characters are developed and, and portrayed on screen. What I find super interesting is it was created by a man named Daniel Barnes and his 17-year-old daughter. I love that so much. Which is insane to me. Yeah. It's insane to me because th- the dad is like our age, right? I, 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 he, he seemed pretty young looking in the press conference we had. He might be in close to 50 or in his 50s, but to be able to have an openness to sit down and have these conversations with your kid and to mine their lives and their experiences and the stories that they take from their, you know, life as it has happened to them thus far, and then combine your sensibility as an older man who has worked in TV to bring these stories to life in an authentic, honest way is scary to me. <laughs> like I can't even imagine. Putting myself in a position where I am openly sitting down with my daughter who wants to make a TV show and mining her experiences of her life unfiltered.
1: It, it I, yeah, I, I the bravery um, on both sides of that equation,
0: right? And I think that ties into what we were talking about of of experiencing and being open to what your kids are into, yes. right? Yes, this, this, yeah. This is this type of like back and forth inclusive conversation that they are having as writers, as storytellers, but also this sort of, I don't think it's autobiographical, the story, but it definitely is informed by this girl's life and her experience in high school. And I, I like, I would love to be able to be put in a, to be able to be in a position to do something like this and see the end result be a TV show or a movie or whatever that speaks to the generation that my daughter is growing up in and possibly also see reflected in this story my childhood or or formative years in high school but god damn it dude i don't know if i would have the patience i don't know if i right. would have the the emotional fortitude to be able to hear some of the things that she would end up telling me in whatever writers meetings we'd had. you know what i mean
1: yeah and 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 the objectivity and like how do you even like how do you like? Restructure? How do you not get
0: upset how- and then judge her and then say you're going to go to your room for that? You know,
1: well, or, or like, how do you restructure Act Two, knowing that this moment is a deeply personal thing for? Her, but maybe doesn't work on screen and the structure that it's built. In, you know, right? Yeah. Because like, as we're we're both writers in different capacities, and we both have had to. And uh, me starting my career as an editor, it's all about this ain't working. Got to cut it out. Got to move it over here. We can strip mine this scene for parts. Put it over here. Like that's the, those are the decisions I make with economy. But to do that with like your daughter's story, I don't know if I would have that in me. I, I would recommend. Um, Drew McQuinn and I have talked about this book before. And it's a book I literally randomly found at a Borders, remember those? Uh, I, literally I used to work just, at Borders. Yeah, I literally found it one day on a Random Borders. It was a, in the film category. It was called The Film Club, which, by the way, like what a throwaway generic title. It's called The Film Club by this Canadian film critic named David Gilmore, not the Pink Floyd guitarist, different David Gilmore. He's a film critic for the Toronto Sun, I want to say. And the story was very simple. It was it was a it was a nonfiction book. It was the story of him and his son, his son who was failing and doing miserable in school at sixteen years old, and was desperate to drop out. Just he was so miserable. There was no big overarching reason why he was just completely miserable. And his mom and his dad were like, we're at his mom and dad were divorced. His dad and his mom met and were co-parenting. And we're just like, we don't know what to do. <clears throat> And then his dad was finally like, you know what, let's let him drop out. And the condition is he has to live with me. And the condition is he's going to watch movies with me four nights a week. And we're going to watch movies and we're going to discuss them. And that was it that was the and the first movie he shows him was the 400 blows which if you know <laughs> anything about if you know anything about film yeah. you know you know why that's such a good spot on choice and and the end <laughs> that, at the end that of that movie one was
0: a grind for me in film yes class. Uh,
1: for a lot of people but for a 16 year old that ending shot of him running towards camera in the freeze frame and it's like and, and I, at the end of the chapter his son asked him like what was he What was he thinking? And he's like, I don't know, but you got to figure out what you're thinking now because you're that kid. And that set the tone for years of this. And the movie tracks, it uses that as a way to unpack all the things his son was going through then and was going through and then eventually evolving towards and about basically saying, I need to know my son as a human being and not as this thing that has to go through this thing that I have expectations of. I need to see my son for everything he is. And, and this experience is not just for him to learn a lesson or two that hopefully he'll, you know, go back and get his GED one day. It's for me to understand him and what we had missed. And I, I, when I think about that a lot, I think about like in the day-to-day things, um, uh, the normal parents, child dynamic, what are we as parents missing by following a conventional and a traditional father or you know, f- parent-child dynamic? What are the things we're not seeing? What are we missing out on because we're just following the structure that society has deemed correct? If you go to school, I go to work, and then we come home, we have dinner, and then maybe we do an activity together, and then I tuck you in bed, and then we all go to bed. What am I missing in that? What am I not seeing of you? And so when I hear so when I see when I hear things like like this show, I'm jealous. I'm I'm like yeah. <laughs> I'm like intensely jealous that they get that opportunity to do that um, because and it's I'm sure it's uncomfortable as fuck at times. But like I think of all the wonderful ways you're going to connect
0: naked penis in the first episode and <laughs> okay. the second and is so- it mine.
1: No, I don't know, Eddie. Is it? It's not. It's but but,
0: you know, and that's not that's not to say that seeing a male naked is crazy on television, but to have those conversations with my daughter who isn't yet 18 years old could be upsetting to me. Right. And so to just keep yourself open and and come from a non-judgmental place. To tell an authentic story that informs an experience a lot of kids can relate to, Mm -hmm. I think is huge. And I'm relating to it on a different level because of the aesthetic of the show and where it takes place is the there's places in the valley that show up here. So it feels like it's (laughs) speaking to me in a way.
1: It's like Karate Kid. You're like, oh shit! I drive right. by those apartments every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. That so, uh, you know, for those of you listening, I, I you know, t- check it out. It might not be your cup of tea. I'm surprisingly into the show, and I haven't been able to watch a lot of TV recently. But uh, right. also, Invincible on Amazon, I hear, has a father son uh, dynamic that, and I haven't. We should be I read the giving, comics, but I'm going to be checking that out soon too. Totally, we should
1: we should be giving recommendations of like media things. We're media, I know, and we're parents. Well, that's we what have, we're going to do. Okay, let's now do now first 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 segment of this new first installment of this new segment on Dad Word Spiral is our weekly recommendation. We'll come up with a snappy name for it. Maybe a jingle, bumper, stab music thing to do into it. Who knows. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the big, the big thing for me, um, Sushi Dice. Uh, it is, if you're familiar with It's a Tabletop Game, if you're familiar with the Sushi Go Tabletop Game Series, uh, this is a fantastic dice-based game um, for two to six players, I want to say. Um, and you know it, the rules are straightforward enough uh, to where my six-year-old got it and understood. Grayson, my 10-year-old, taught it to me. Uh, Cause him and his mom and uh, his brother played together. And then me and Grayson played together. He taught to me very simple. It's essentially uh, it's essentially Yahtzee, but on the, the dice have different types of different cuts of sushi and they oh, just, wow. you, that's, you have that's cool. super fun, but like the way it does it is you have your menu and then you have the, the, the Kai 10, which is the, uh, the, Oh, gosh, not the the not the treadmill, but like the little the sushi um, train, the sushi train. It's that. So basically you roll your dice, you take one piece and put it on your tray, then you rotate. Everybody oh. gets like the next one. And then you when pick from when, that. Uh,
0: when do you yeah. get to eat the dice?
1: You never get to eat the dice. If you're Millie, you try to eat the dice at every mm. opportunity and then mom and dad scream and fish it out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, but you know, some of the, it's like, okay, here's the dessert. Here's the dumplings. Here's the sashimi. Here's the wasabi. If you put the wasabi on different nigiri, you get a bonus. Like, it's, okay, it's I want to play this game now. It's so fun. It's so fun. Very easy to understand. Takes minutes to learn. Lifetime to master. Um, any, any game that is, reach into a bag of dice and pull out dice and then roll the dice is A-plus in my book. Fuse is another one I've talked about before. Um, we'll eventually have Ivan Van Norman on the show. And when we do, I'm sure he will go through his list of greatest games to play with Ivan kids.
0: Van Norman, for those of you listening to this show who used to listen to Punch Drunk TV, my previous podcast, which used to be past the and remote at Geek Nation, was a guest multiple times on our show because he yeah, was on King that. of the Nerds.
1: Uh, well, I knew he was on King of the Nerds. I didn't know he was a guest on your show all the time. I, I met
0: knew- Ivan so Van funny. Norman and Josh Ovenshire. Oh, um, Ovenshire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Through, well, Joe Ovenshire was friends with Jack, my former co-host. But yeah, right. they were both on King of the Nerds. And for a while there, our podcast became the unofficial King of the Nerds podcast. <laughs> we had Kurt Armstrong on, which yes. was a huge thing for me. And pretty much Almost every contestant from the first season of that show came so on. Like,
1: was was Xander Generet on that one? Or yeah, Xander yeah, was. Yeah, I, I think Xander. in season
0: two. I'm friends with him and Bonnie. And Bonnie, Bonnie was on a different show.
1: On a show I worked for the company that made her show. They were okay. casting. They were casting when I was there. We had her on. So, yeah, I, um, I, lo- I love the Bards. They're will, they're great people. I, but I lo- we're I love getting Bonnie off topic here
0: because it's getting late in our recording. We're going to have to end this episode so I can go to Betty.
1: Bye. All right. So your recommendation is. Invincible. My recommendation is you yeah. should go. Well, well my recommendation
0: episode. was Generation. I haven't Generation, watched Invincible yeah. yet, but if you're into docu series or documentaries at all, Cue into the Storm. On oh HBO my God, about QAnon. Yes. I blew through that because I have screeners of it. It starts off like too much. Like it's yeah. really cluttered in the first episode, but. The story, which was I, I was already kind of familiar with because there was, an NP, <laughs> there was an NPR story and interview that dug into the inner workings of 8chan, the site that uh, oh, QAnon yeah. blew up on. It's just a bonkers trip into the psyche of some kooky characters who may be the, um, the people behind this, uh, this movement. Uh, so uh, I, I would suggest if you, you at all listening are interested in documentaries or crazy stories, giving this show a try. And I saw you posted, Eddie, online about the opening credit sequence.
1: Insane. Insane. So good. So the ma- best opening sequence on a documentary series I've ever seen. Um, like, like ridiculously good. Uh, I, I've, I've, I, I was deeply entrenched in the whole Gamergate scenario. Mm. Um, I had several friends who were attacked. My former boss was attacked as part of that. Um, and I n- saw in real time the coalescence of alt-right and H-Hand culture and this thing happening. And once like Milo and, and Bannon got elevated out of that, I'm like, oh shit, this is where the country's going. So it was, it was, it was easy to see, even back then, how this story was going to end. Uh, so it's been fascinating for it to rip the scab off that. Um, I don't like talking about it because a lot of my friends are still like deeply right. traumatized. No, I get thing.
0: it. It's, it's you a know? rough show. It's a rough docu-series to be like, this is great. Go watch it. You know, when yeah. it's like it the, was, the
1: Alan versus Pharaoh thing, it's fantastic. It's like, I Jesus finished Christ. that
0: too. Yeah. And that yeah. was, it's well done. But um, yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to really dig into TV shows that are, that require a lot of focus. It's sure. mostly been like, let's watch the mass singer and go to bed. <laughs> um you know but uh, on that point how the fuck did no one know that was Danny Trejo as the raccoon come on guys it's Danny Trejo anyone uh, no one wait what mass singer danny trejo was
1: Oh, oh, oh! I haven't watched that one yet. I it's don't watch Matt Singer, man. It's I don't fine. W- I don't it's fine. That.
0: Look, we're into dumb shit here sometimes. We are. We yeah, absolutely are. Is going to be the end of the episode because yes, we are finally. flailing at this point. Thank um, God. <laughs> this is one of our longer episodes. Thank you for sticking with us. If you have, we're, we're been catching sticking up with us. Yeah, we're catching uh, up. This has been episode number twelve of Dadward Spiral. We're going to uh, do our goddamn best to get you uh, regular episodes, uh, hopefully from this day forward. I am in a new job situation that has switched up scheduling, but we have plans. We have guests in the works, which include authors, voice actors, uh, show possible showrunners, um, mm-hmm. board game creators, and yeah. so on. A possible Scream Queen may come on too, but uh, I have not gotten any 100% confirmations yet, so I don't want to, test. you know, give names and tell you who.
1: (laughs) We don't want to say who until we know who, so.
0: But on that note, I want to thank you all. Eddie and I both want to thank you all for listening. Again, this has been episode number 12 of Dadward Spiral. If you have enjoyed the show, please go like, rate review subscribe send us presents and come to my house don't do that last <laughs> one but uh but yeah definitely a review or rating us on iTunes gives us a big help shout out to Dragon Wagon Radio i Thank promise you, we will jake record wagon. i promise you we will record a, a commercial soon jake um
1: <laughs> <laughs> we still need to do that don't we yeah
0: okay we do and we'll do uh, that we'll
1: do that this weekend we'll we'll find some time well we no <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. We will try. I will oh, definitely okay. try. If you give me the script, I will get it done this weekend.
0: Okay. So, all yeah, right, Eddie, man. do you have any last words?
1: Uh, it's, it's just we're you know it's we're trying it's uh and keep trying to uh and honestly like feel free to interact with us hit us up on socials uh, at Dead word Spiral uh please come to the Discord we we will chat with you we will take time to chat with you do you want
0: to tell them how to get to the Discord sure
1: because um, I don't know how if you go to Dragon Wagon Radio uh you will you, you will find a link to the discord um. uh, at
0: dragonwagonradio.com.
1: Yeah. dragonwagonradio.com We, and, and it's, and not just us. Like, I mean, everything elaborate, which is Jake's, uh, Koi cast, our buddy, Koi Jandro, uh, Dragon wagon, uh, which I'm kind of shocked. I've never been on wrestling compadres, all those great, a lot of really good, uh, podcasts, uh, and, and the discord's popping more and more people are jumping in there and chatting. Um, Please hit us up there. Uh, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kirby Matrix uh, Aaron. You can find at
0: I'm Aaron Flux. Uh, if you want to come, you know, hit me up for some good times.
1: Well, good times, but we're here to talk. Like that's the thing. We are here. We did this whole that
0: that's thing. what the good times are, Eddie. To it, interact, times and engage.
1: Talking. Exactly. You know,
0: Most people on Twitter don't go there for good times, so I'm trying to flip that's the true. script and offer some positivity.
1: That's absolutely true. No, we're going to know the
0: majority of my Twitter interactions are some snarky bullshit. But hey, hey, come find me and say hello. Eddie is now lifting some small yellow weights. And these are
1: one pound weights that my wife has in this room. Uh, and yeah, just and that know,
0: means the show is over. over. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. And as always, be excellent to each other. We'll see you soon. We'll hear you. We'll talk to you soon. We'll hear you. We're, we're going to be looking at you soon. We're,
1: we'll be at your house in five minutes.
0: Okay, bye. Hey, Jake Lloyd Bacon here to convince you to check out my podcast, Elaborate. Listen, it's not super high concept.
1: It's a talk show, one in which I sit down with artists, actors, comedians, writers, and more from all walks of life, and I simply try to connect. I'm exploring the human condition. I'm trying to figure out why we are, who we are, and how the hell we got here. Transparency is key. Growth is the goal. It's a conversation. It's an interview. It's not therapy, but it is therapeutic. So join me and my guests on Elaborate, available at elaboratepod.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dragon Wagon.